right. Welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I am an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo. And um, today I really wanted to talk a little bit about different schools, right? I think as,、um, as we're heading into some big decisions for rising seniors and as we're starting to get some results back for those who are seniors,、uh, I I think a lot of families are thinking about summer plans. A lot of families are starting to think about okay, well, we do want to visit some schools. What should we go about visiting? So, for the next kind of few weeks, I'm going to put the spotlight on different types of schools、um, just to give a broader perspective、um, of these different schools, what value they may bring, why you should maybe consider them as an option, and、um, how to go about identifying the good ones from the bad ones, so on and so forth. And with that in mind, I did want to also bring. Up that we are hosting a college connection week、um, in the second to last week of March, and so we've got a bunch of events going on here.、Um, and for more information on that, you can go to tokyoacademics.comslash events. To look up a little bit more of that.、Um, and, but to give you guys a brief overview, on Sunday, March 20th,、um, I'm going to be speaking with Alexa Garrity, who is an arts、uh, portfolio specialist. And we're just going to talk through the role of art, right?、Um, the creative. Uh, degrees, creative degrees in general, have seen a surge lately because there is both more resources being dedicated to them. But I think a lot of industries are recognizing that as we become more data driven, as we become more, let's just follow the numbers, what is starting to lack is actually people who can see things from a different perspective, people who can innovate, people who can push back and say, hey, what about this? What about that? Um, and um, so there's that part of it. And then also just in terms Of making a lot of that data, a lot of that information beautiful, easy to understand, and presentable,、um, and let alone just the in terms of art itself and just the pursuit of that being inherently worthwhile. And so,、um, Alexa and I are going to sit down and have a chat、um, about. Art about how to go about pursuing it in high school, how to leverage it to help you stand out in college admissions, whether or not you're applying to art to art school, right? That the,、um, the portfolio, especially in a time of the pandemic where extracurricular opportunities have been a little bit harder to come by, the Art portfolio can really be this interesting way to show co- colleges a couple things, right? One is creativity, right? The other is that you have the discipline to stick it out and complete 18 to 20 different projects. And it also shows a little bit of your reflectiveness that you have these more deeper thoughts that you want to be pursuing and exploring. Throughout your time. So, even if you're not applying to art school, if you're taking AP Studio Art, if you're taking IB Art, or you're thinking about maybe pursuing art or thinking about pursuing design or fashion or any of these things as both a hobby but also kind of in the context of your college application, please come to that talk.、Um, so, that'll be on Sunday, March 20th. On Monday, March 21st, we are going to have Grinnell、um, coming here to speak. And so, Grinnell will be, Grinnell is kind of one of the top tier liberal arts schools. Uh, in the US. And、um, its big claim to fame is the founder of Intel,、uh, the chips that are driving every single one of your PCs.、Uh, the founder of Intel actually went to Grinnell. And so Grinnell will be, so obviously their computer science. Program is phenomenal, but、uh, Grinnell will be coming to speak a little bit about their school as well as the overall 
um, benefits and the advantages of pursuing a liberal arts education to begin with because Grinnell also is fairly open curriculum in that they really allow students to craft kind of their own pathway forward, which is pretty unique um, outside of obviously the big open curriculum mainstay of Brown. Um, Grinnell also offers a little bit of that flexibility there. So they will be coming to speak on the 21st. On the 22nd, um, it's just me, um, but there is going to be an essay workshop. So I'm going to walk through the ins and outs of the college application essay, both the Common App as well as a variety of different supplements. We will go through a couple samples. I'll talk through how to brainstorm, how to provide structure, how to make the most of your story and how to really stand out as well as talk a little bit about some topics to avoid. Um, a lot of students think that they have this really cool story. It's not going to be a good story. So, um, so that will be on the 22nd. Um, on the 23rd is Claremont McKenna. So Claremont McKenna is part of the Claremont Consortium of Schools or the Claremont Schools. And so they, um, the speaker will be providing a pretty unique perspective on what it is like to attend a college that is in partnership or in a group with all these other universities. And so that while you are attending one university, you are by going, choosing to go there as opposed to a school that is maybe a little bit more isolated, you actually reap the benefits of all of these different communities intersecting in this kind of, kind of giant Venn diagram. And you can be at the center of that and reap all the benefits from that. So Claremont McKenna will be coming uh, on the 23rd and then on the 24th, uh, the University of Santa Barbara will be here. University of Santa Barbara is one of those that is seeing a meteoric rise up the rankings. Um, it is now the number five public university in all of America. Uh, it is an incredible research school. It is, but it's also on a beach. So it's really, really nice. It's in like a, be a sleepy resort town, but has some incredible academic opportunities. And in terms of name value and ranking is really shooting up uh, through the ranks uh, because of the resources that they've dedicated to really improving the student experience and making sure that all of those things are great to go and good to go. So um, there will be that talk uh, on the 24th. On the 26th on Saturday, um, there is going to be a student panel. So uh, I have a lot of students who graduate and go off and we still keep in touch. And I have managed to uh, wrangle slash bribe slash intimidate a few of them to come in and uh, share about their experiences in university so far, right? About how it has been during the pandemic, about how it has been to kind of decide what to do in a time where Jobs are kind of are in an interesting state, right, of how to get into how to really think about pursuing their major, all of those different things, as well as kind of the lowdown on food, on dorm life, on draw on like all the things that kids seem to want to know about beyond. Is it a good school? So that will be on the 26th. And then lastly, on the 29th, uh, we will be bringing in the University of Sussex to provide some perspective on the UK and on UK applications. Um, in many ways, the UK application is much more straightforward while still providing both a faster and um, significantly cheaper education. And so for those of you who may not have a whole lot of extracurriculars but are doing excellent in school, for those of you who already know what you want to study and would like that opportunity to help that go to your advantage, um, or for those of you who just want to be done with college in three years instead of four and want to get out there and start working, 
the UK may be a good option for you. And the University of Sussex is a very, very good school. And they are coming in to speak a little bit about that. So that's all the events, a ton of things planned. So um, if you're interested in any of those, uh, please go to tokyoacademics.com slash events to sign up. Uh, we all are, we are also offering kind of a fun little bonus if you end up signing for up and showing up for all of these events. You'll get some one-on-one -on -one time with me. Um, we really want to encourage people to come in and talk and meet with uh, these admissions officers and to hear from students because these, A, start to demonstrate interest for these schools, which all schools are tracking now um, and to some degree. Um, and uh, But it also is an opportunity for you to uh, start to learn a little bit more about schools and to practice talking with these admissions officers, which we highly recommend all of our students do uh, as a way to get the relationships and the type of experiences that, that they can talk about on their supplements in a meaningful way. So if you sign up for and attend all of these events, um, you will be able to get some free time with me um, to plan out your summer, plan out college, ask any questions that you may have. Um, and so all of that, signing up, all of those things will be available at tokyoacademics.com slash events. All of these events are free, um, but uh, because we want to continue to be sort of a pillar of resources and information in the community. If you're interested in learning more about the complex world of college admissions, or would love to connect more with college admissions officers from around the world, Tokyo Academics has you covered. We are regularly hosting seminars and events that range from college essay workshops, to panels with current students at top schools, to small group conversations with admissions officers. For more information, please visit tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's tokyoacademics.com slash events. With that aside, right, um, I did want to transition into what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. And the focus today is going to be liberal arts universities. Uh, liberal arts is something I am deeply familiar with. Uh, I attended Carleton College, which is a liberal arts school in Minnesota. When I attended, it was number three. Uh, it has now kind of dropped a little bit to number eight. And I associate that with the fact that I am no longer there. But um, it is an excellent school. And I think that there is a lot of Confusion is maybe not the right word, but maybe misunderstanding around liberal arts colleges. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time kind of demystifying those, breaking down some of those myths um, so that all of you can see that liberal arts may be actually the exact right type of school that you should be applying for. And you should at least consider it, even if your ultimate goal is to get into a big name school, to study a big name thing, that there actually are some interesting pathways through the liberal arts that you should maybe at least think about when building your college list. Okay, so what is liberal arts and what does it mean? So liberal arts... Uh, it's important to know that liberal arts is a type of college, but liberal arts is also a mode of study. And so please don't get those things confused, right? Liberal arts is a concept of education that is implemented at Columbia, at Harvard, at Yale. All of these are have at their undergrad program is a liberal arts undergraduate program which means that you are going to be required to, much like in high school, take classes across a realm of different things. They want to, to create students 
who are balanced, students who have a wide range of knowledge. And so you are going to be required to take science, required to take math, required to take humanities, required to take an English, required to take a foreign language. In some schools, you're required to take PE. So in some ways, it's kind of like high school all over again. Um, but please do not confuse liberal arts college with a liberal arts experience, right? Because um, a lot of students, a lot of families that I work with think of these bigger name schools or the large public universities as like more specialized the moment you go into it. And with the exception of engineering, that's not true, right? Most schools are going to have these liberal arts requirements, even a school as specialized as like Babson is, and everybody is an entrepreneur at Babson, but they still have a liberal arts set of requirements that they need to complete, okay? So when referring to liberal arts colleges, however, we usually are referring to um, smaller, right? Significantly smaller schools. Um, and they are defined by a couple different things, right? Obviously, the student body is going to be a little bit tinier, right? My um, student body was, Carleton was 1,700 at the time that I attended, um, which is not even 10% of some freshman classes at some of the larger universities. Um, so one is the smallness of the school, right? and the smallest, and that smallness does guarantee that all of your classes are going to be pretty small and pretty focused on the student experience and are going to be very much discussion led or project oriented, right? So that's part of it is the size. The other part is that the teachers, the professors, notably, are there to teach. Most liberal arts colleges, um, professors are there to teach first and do research second, right? At a lot of bigger universities, that's flipped. They're there to do research, and then in their free time, they teach you. What that means is, again, many of these professors at these big universities, likely brilliant, and know far more, um, have forgotten more than I know. But um, the fact remains is that teaching you and making sure that you are doing well is not the primary reason they are there. They are there to research. They are there to take advantage of the resources that the school offers, the intellectual community it provides, and a, and a whole host of graduate students who are willing to be their grunts to conduct the research that they are really interested in. So a lot of times, the best um, researchers are not are not always the best teachers. Right? What a liberal arts college does guarantee is that you are going to every single teacher across the board is there primarily to teach. And that has ripple trickle down effects on kind of the experience that you have as a student, but also to the type of relationship you're going to have in terms of recommendation letters, in terms of support on your thesis or on your dissertation, in terms of um, kind of any of that is also going to be part of it. Um, for my English uh, professor at Carleton, Nancy Cho, um, I babysat her son Jack and then she would come back and then we would have dinner and we would talk about my paper or we would talk about the book that we're reading. Um, and she is someone I'm still in contact with and um, has, uh, you know, has been very, very helpful for my own career, uh, but also has continued to be a bit of a mentor in my life. And those are the types of experiences that not aren't exclusive to liberal arts colleges, but can happen a lot more because of how it is designed. The other myth uh, that I get a lot uh, with uh, in terms of liberal arts colleges is that I can't do STEM at liberal arts universities. And uh, this is just baseline untrue. Um, a lot, of course, 
they are not necessarily going to have the resources and the scale that a big public research university or a Georgia Tech or an MIT is going to have. But in terms of STEM progress and in terms of STEM contributions to STEM, liberal arts schools are right up there uh, in terms of the overall quality of their programs and the output that they're able to generate in terms of people who have gone on to do a lot of things, very interesting things in, in the tech world, right, as well as in STEM as a whole so um but in order to combat that right in order to combat that misconception a lot of these colleges have actually started to reach out and build partnerships as well right and so here's where i want to talk a little bit about some of these pathways that exist that maybe are worth exploring Right. And so a good example of this uh, is Haverford. So Haverford is a liberal arts school in Pennsylvania, and uh, they have become part of this Quaker consortium. And what the Quaker consortium means is that while you are at Haverford, you actually will be able to uh, cross-register for classes at UPenn. Right? And so if you want to take classes at UPenn and get access to all of those resources, those professors, those that student body, you have full access to that. Right? But of course, obviously, your degree will still say Haverford unless you take advantage of a couple of their four plus one or three and two programs. So Haverford has a four plus one engineering program where you uh, spend four years at Haverford or three and a half years at Haverford and then one and a half, one and a half years at UPenn. And so after five years, you will graduate with a um, bachelor's from Haverford, but a master's in engineering from UPenn. And so for families who are like, oh, but name value, right? We really want to make sure that we are getting that Ivy League, getting that name, solid name, right? Um, given the fact that UPenn has, I believe, what, a 7% admissions rate, right? Not that Haverford is much higher, right? But given that that's true, right, this might be another pathway to start to get that experience of UPenn and ultimately, of course, end up with a degree from UPenn uh, while being able to attend a school that is excellent in its own right um, and receive an excellent education with professors who are dedicated towards working with you, right? Haverford also has a three-in-two program with Caltech, a school that is almost impossible to get into, okay? So the West Coast MIT, right? Um, you will do three years at Haverford and then two years at Caltech and you'll get bachelor's degrees from both, right? So that is another example of um, kind of how, and many of the liberal arts schools have these partnerships with uh, UPenn, with Columbia, with Dartmouth. Um, those are the big ones that a lot of universities have partnerships with. And so, um, so these abound. And so a lot of liberal arts schools have recognized that there is this, um, this misconception about their ability to provide a quality STEM education. Um, but when in, and so they've gone kind of out of their way to make sure not only do we provide an awesome education, we want to do so in such a way where if you really stick with us, you'll actually end up with a top, 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 top tier uh, engineering degree, right? So that is one thing to be thinking about. Um, the other part uh, in terms of the liberal arts colleges is if you are an athlete, Right. Um, most liberal arts colleges, because of their size and because they're like they are uh, in Division three. Right. Um, but Division three is honestly where most of the even best athletes that I have worked with here in Japan. Division three is going to be about where you are going to have a good chance of getting in. Right. 
But then when you look at the schools who are on this list for Division Three, it's Amherst, it's Williams. It's like all of these top, top number one, number two liberal arts colleges in the entire America. And, um, and so for a student athlete who is looking to get a top tier education and maybe good for like a Japan level, but is kind of no contest at the NCAA level, right? These liberal arts colleges also provide an excellent opportunity to, um, to attend school and get a really, really solid, very reputable, very good degree, um, with, a, a division three athlete scholarship. So that would be another perspective. Um, ultimately though. I really think that liberal arts degrees should be pursued for their own sake, right? Um, because they are smaller, what I've seen is that um, a lot of these smaller schools, because they have the flexibility and they are very interested in improving their teaching, are constantly experimenting with new different ways of allowing students to go about their learning. And so we'll just talk about Amherst and about Williams, for example. Amherst is pretty much fully open curriculum. You have a couple writing requirements. You have a couple things you need to do. But other than that, you design your program pretty much from the ground up. And so it's similar to Brown. Um, but I think that one of the things that makes Amherst work is that it also has started to take advantage of all these partnerships. right? And so Amherst is also part of a five college consortium. And so when you are building your own major, you actually can build it and then also build it by taking advantage of what all these other schools have to offer as well. right? And, and so that's Amherst. Williams, on the other hand. Uh, Williams is really known for its tutorials. And so, tu so tutorials are you plus one other student and a professor. And that's your entire class, right? Two students, one professor. And you just engage in conversation, engage in discourse. You edit each other's work. You, and you debate. You talk about topics that are relevant and interesting to you, right? And so because liberal arts colleges are so focused on like, we want, we are here to teach, right? And so you are here to learn the opportunities, the unique opportunities to learn, the unique opportunities to study are very, very much present. And so there are uh, those elements and uh, as well. Now, obviously there for, especially people coming from Japan, locations sometimes can be pretty tricky. Um, a lot of liberal arts colleges are located in places that are a little bit further away from the main city. Um, but in general, from my time at Carleton, I can tell you it was not a big deal. They had buses all the time. I didn't drive either, but they had buses all the time going to the Twin Cities, going to the airport, going to everything like that. So um, most of these schools will be connected there. Again, these schools are aware of the perceptions of their limitations and are constantly kind of doing new things to improve and to work upon them. And so um, in terms of, and I guess I would frame it also this way in that their flexibility also benefits the curriculum in terms of future proofing. When I talk with um, students who are pursuing engineering and a lot of um, kind of initial research has found that most students who pursue engineering by the time they're done with their first two years, a lot of what they've been studying is irrelevant. Right, um, that they may have gone and tried to study one thing, but the pace of technology is moving so fast um, that by the time they're done, what they've learned is irrelevant. Liberal arts schools, because they are smaller, because they are driven by teaching, right? Really, I, from what I have seen, have been able to pivot and be more flexible and offer, update their classes, update their syllabi, up, introduce new courses that line up with um, what they feel students really need 
to be competitive once they leave school, whether that be going to graduate school or um, elsewhere or going to work. So um, in general, I think liberal arts schools are absolutely worth looking into in part also, right? Like even if we just go purely pragmatically, right? Uh, liberal arts colleges are, um, uh, because not many people, a lot of people, especially here in Japan, have those perceptions of what liberal college, arts colleges are. Many people don't apply, right? And so um, the pool that you're competing against is smaller than the massive uh, pool of applicants for the UCs, for these big name schools. Uh, and so the liberal arts colleges are, and liberal arts colleges because of that, have greater demand for international students as well. And so, um, and are really right now really trying to push uh, DEI, really trying to push diversity pieces. And so if you, especially if you have um, kind of something that distinguishes you culturally, not just in terms of language, but you are pursuing something in terms of a Japanese art or pursuing something that is very cultural, right? There are plenty of schools who will want you. Um, one of my students who... Um, was I worked with a couple years ago. He plays the uh, shamisen, which is the Japanese, it's like a Japanese zither or a harp um, or like an, an early version of a guitar. Um, he ended up getting into 11 of his 13 schools and many of them were liberal arts, um, both because he was ac academically excellent, but I really do think that um, coming from Japan, coming from outside of the U.S., um, the cultural value that you bring has stands out much more to liberal arts colleges because they are smaller and therefore just as a percentage, you can be making a bigger difference if you do have a unique background or a unique story to tell. And so for multiple reasons, right, I would encourage you to at least take a look at, um, at some liberal arts schools, come to Grinnell's talk and listen to um, someone who is representing a liberal, liberal arts school talk about it. Um, but I think that there is a lot to, uh, there is a lot to gain from at least considering a liberal arts, a few liberal arts schools on your college list and having some of those on your tour. Right, having one or two to see just so you can have a contrast, which will help you kind of identify a little bit better what you what sort of experiences you want out of your university. OK. All right. So that is going to wrap up today. Um, all of the talk ahead of the time for College Connection Week made this go a little bit long. Just a couple things. Please leave feedback um, and please, please give us a rating. Give us a review on um, iTunes would be great. Um, I know Spotify doesn't do reviews, um, but that really does help us out. A good review really helps bump us up and uh, keeps us visible in the public mind. So uh, thank you as always for your support. And remember the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.